In my view, we've already waited too long to deal with this climate crisis. We can't wait any longer. Uh, we see it with our own eyes. We feel it. We know it in our bones. And it's time to act. Biden takes executive action on climate change. Hey guys, this is Double D from the Entitled Millennials podcast, and this is my Thinking Out Loud series. So last week, Biden put forth a series of executive orders relating to climate change and relating to the environment. Now, in the past, Joe Biden has said that he wants to be known as the climate president and wants to take some serious action on the environment and on global warming and climate change. And just like in my last video talking about some of the executive orders Joe Biden did, I just want to like make a quick video going down, you know, listing these off and then kind of diving into them a little bit. What they mean? Is there more to them than the surface value? Do they actually have bite? Are they going to make some serious changes that are going to help safeguard our environment? But before that, I want to roll the this quick clip of Joe Biden giving a speech announcing this series of executive orders and, you know, just kind of outlying what he thinks these executive orders mean, what they entail. And I'm going to roll that quick here for you guys. In my view, we've already waited too long to deal with this climate crisis. We can't wait any longer. Uh, we see it with our own eyes. We feel it. We know it in our bones. And it's time to act. We'll take steps towards my goal of achieving 100 percent carbon pollution-free electric sector by 2035, transforming the American electric sector to produce power without carbon pollution will be a tremendous spur to job creation and economic competitiveness in the 21st century, not to mention the benefits to our health and to our environment. Today's executive order will help strengthen that commitment by working with other nations to support the most vulnerable to the impact of climate change and to increase our collective resilience. That includes a summit of world leaders that I'll convene to address this climate crisis on Earth Day this year. To summarize this executive order, it's about jobs, good-paying union jobs. It's about workers building our economy back better than before. It's a whole-of-government approach to put climate change at the center of our domestic, national security, and foreign policy. It's advancing conservation, revitalizing communities in cities and in the on the farmlands, and securing environmental justice. Our plans are ambitious, but we are America. We're bold. We're unwavering in the pursuit of jobs and innovation, science and discovery. We can do this. We must do this, and we will do this. So first off, I mean, congratulations, Joe Biden, uh, in that. I mean, I know you could tell it was a little bit like a few snippets all, you know, smushed together. But, you know, good job, man. You, you got through that without stumbling over your words or completely trailing off and walking off camera. So that that's great. But obviously from that video, it's, you know, it's a PR thing. It doesn't really, in that video, it doesn't really like dive into what each executive order is, what they mean, and what sort of changes are actually coming out. So I have a few notes here. I'm just going to like run down them real quick, and then we'll do a little bit of a more deep dive and speculate on what each one means and what it spells for the future of our environment. This first executive order from Joe Biden is sets aside 30% of nation's land and waters for conservation by 2030 ending all carbon pollution in the United States by the next 30 years. We'll create 10 million clean energy jobs, and it will use federal purchasing power to fund a federal clean car fleet. 
As you guys already know, last week Biden halted the Keystone XL pipeline and rejoined the Paris Climate Accords. Kind of goes along with this sweeping executive action. And here's a big one. Halts oil and gas leases on federal land. There's an executive order forming a national climate task force. An executive order calling on Joe Biden to lead a leaders climate summit on Earth Day on April 22nd of 2021. And creates the Civilian Climate Corps Initiative with jobs restoring public lands and waters and reforestation. And finally, an executive order halting over 100 Trump-era deregulations on the environment. Now, I'll tell you right now, it's no Green New Deal, okay? It's, it's not the sort of sweeping dismantling of capitalist systems which create the vast majority of, of carbon pollution and environmental degradation. It's not create it's not spending the it's i think the price tag on this one something like two trillion compared to the 10 trillion dollars that was planning on being spent by the green new deal i believe the green new deal was on a much faster pace i believe it was something like you know zero carbon output within 10 to 15 years and the green new deal talked about creating tens upon tens of millions of jobs as we you know not only completely restructured uh, restructured our energy grid in order to be clean energy but alongside that you know building new roads new bridges new infrastructure public transit and all of that it's definitely not a green new deal but that being said considering it's just executive orders coming out of joe biden's office there are several you know good executive actions in here which are a step in the right direction but which i would argue go nowhere near close enough to take on climate change, especially as imminent climate catastrophe is literally looming over the horizon. I mean, we've had two of the hottest years in record. We're seeing the glaciers like completely melt down. We're seeing the bleaching of important coral reefs because the the uh, temperature of the ocean is rising. You know, in, in my view, these executive actions, while in the step of the right direction, and we can h- hope hope to see some more action following suit with this in the Congress, it's definitely not enough. But, you know, let's dive into these and, and kind of talk about them a little bit. So the first here, setting aside 30% of nation's lands and waters by conservation by 2030. That's that's huge. I mean, and it goes on here later talking about the jobs that that's going to create. I mean, all the forestation jobs, all the, you know, jobs replanting wetlands and prairie lands, the jobs in National Park Forest Services, you know, fire watching. You know, this isn't just good on like a baseline of preserving our environment it's going to create a lot of good paying jobs for americans but you know after donald trump you know peeling back how many land grants uh, uh, for national park services and outright canceling areas that were considered national parks in the united states you know setting aside 30 percent of the nature's land and waters for conservation is great news in my book. The biggest one here is obviously ending all carbon pollution in the United States by 30 years. That is huge. There's no way to cut it. And keep in mind, this is just an executive order and we're going to need congressional action to seriously make this happen. But this entails completely restructuring America's energy system away from fossil fuels, away from natural gas and moving it towards things like green energy, uh, you know, wind turbines, hydraulic, nuclear. This is huge. This is huge. 
uh, long overdue. I mean, we've already got, you know, Western European countries moving on pace with this, moving forward with this, you know, full bore at full clip. But this is huge. If we can actually make this happen, we're talking about living in a country now where 100% of our electrical grid energy comes from clean energy. And now the 10 million clean energy jobs, that's obviously going to be coming out of America's transitioning away from fossil fuels. And, and that entails jobs at every sector from, you know, coding to contracting to manufacturing towards, you know, federally contracted construction work that's going to come along with, uh, you know, creating this new energy grid or weaning America off of fossil fuels. And now, I don't think all these jobs will be sticking around, but we can hope that this 10 million clean energy jobs initiative will create some long lasting uh, green energy manufacturing jobs in this country that will stick around for the next several decades. But of course, that could be completely, you know, moot if a lot of the, you know, energy infrastructure equipment like turbines and solar panels and things of that nature are shipped from overseas from other countries. I know that China is really moving fast at manufacturing, you know, solar panels and wind turbines. You know, they're they're just leaving us in the dust. And so in this case, I could very realistically see a lot of these things which should be domestically created because it involves our energy security being created by countries like China and then shipped over here for the sake of profitability. I hope that's not the case, but I'm not going to hold my breath that America is going to make some huge manufacturing initiative. It, it's just not in the works. We're, we've sold off all of our manufacturing jobs as is. Why would this be any different? But another big one here, of course, is the using federal purchasing power to you know finance and create a clean energy fleet for the federal government. Now, there's two sides of this. Of course, it's just great. You know, the more um, clean energy vehicles, electric cars, hybrids, things like that, that we can put off the street and get off, you know, classic combustion engines off the streets, the more of that that we can have, the better. And considering the size of the federal government and the size of the federal government's federal um, vehicle fleet, I'm sure that's going to be huge. I mean, we could be talking about millions and millions of vehicles. Now, again, ideal... Ideally, it would be great to see American-made uh, vehicles, American-made uh, automobiles and transportation systems um, being bought by the federal government. But I, again, have doubts with that. I believe Kyle Kalinske released a video recently talking about the Buy American mandate um, from Joe Biden, and it was kind of tied in with this uh, creation of a federal clean fleet. And it, it sounds really good on paper, but it really it's it's a bunch of it's a bunch of hogwash and double speak. And while it may create some manufacturing jobs and may help American businesses, it's not anything to really write home about. I'm guessing a lot of these things will be foreign imports and I mean in the long run, who who can blame Japanese made cars and things like that or substantially better than american products and that's the sad truth but still it, it's a great like i said it's a great thing seeing you know more uh, classic combustion cars taken off the roadways and transitioning to you know cleaner alternatives like hybrids and electric cars you know in my last video we talked about halting the keystone xl pipeline and about rejoining the paris climate accords i won't get into that too much you can go back and watch that video if you want but obviously that's huge it's a step in moving towards a global community you know 
again, when it comes to climate change, and hopefully it will foster, you know, global cooperation to take this on and to transition the whole world away from fossil fuels. And then, of course, you know, having been at Standing Rock a couple of times myself and, and been in that fight with the water protectors and, and seeing all the terrible things that happened to them, this is a huge victory, not just for the climate but for indigenous people as well. And that just warms my heart. Like having been in the trenches with that, <laughs> it's a little, you know, maybe too little too late, but it does feel good to see that happening. Now this other one here, halting oil and gas leases on federal land. The first thing with this is some of the drilling contracts that have already been mandated but not acted on by the federal government are still going to be moving forward. You know, there were some people talking about how, like, this is going to weaken um, American energy and in, um, independence while we transition towards clean energy. But the reality is that's not the case, and we're still going to be seeing drilling for probably the next five to ten years. And I don't think that this will really affect, like, everyday pricing like for us like the price of plastic goods or for obviously gasoline but the point i'm making here is this really isn't as big a deal as it seems on service value and it already looks like biden's kind of bent the truth or just lied about this i think i read somewhere maybe you guys can fact check me and drop a comment i think he's already issued 31 to 33 new drilling permits like a few days after this executive action so I have my doubts that it's really going to have any teeth, and I, I my sensibility is telling me that it's probably just a PR stunt. But in a big but, if it is the case, I'm you know that they're going to halt drilling. I, I, I'm glad for it, but you know it's for how long, you know because what if something happens and and he can revoke an executive order like this at any given time and even if he doesn't if we get a new administration in they could do the exact same thing now next here we have that national climate task force and now i don't know as much about this right now as i would like if you guys have some information for me i'd really appreciate it if you you know drop in the comments so we can talk about it on the podcast but my understanding is this is a a federal task force which is you know, mandated with looking at the implications of, you know, what our current levels of pollution, of carbon pollution are having on the environment, you know, setting timelines of, about imminent climate catastrophe. And then it also has, um, you know, subcommittees and stuff in it, which are going to start organizing in a very real way, in a federally mandated way the process of weaning us off of fossil fuels you know you're going to have all sorts of things you're going to have engineers in here you're going to have climate scientists in here you know making the blueprint for creating this new energy grid and that is seriously positive news it, it, it's a task force that's actually going to have some teeth to start organizing these changes that need to happen that we are long overdue with happening and we'll have to keep our eye on that we'll have to you know see who's you know chairing the the uh the boards of subcommittees on that who's going to be like the head honcho for this you know national climate task force if it's some fucking oil tycoon i mean we know it's going to be a load of shit but i got my fingers crossed on that and seeing a federal organization that's going to be in charge of planning some of these operations does make me feel hopeful now this leaders climate change summit is in my view just pr i mean i guess it's good to 
you know, moving from the denialism and bullshit of Trump to see the president, the the uh, commander in chief, you know, meeting with global leaders to discuss this sort of thing. And I mean, maybe th- this will start the process of building on the Paris Climate Accord. I hope that's the pace. And we'll, you know, once that comes out April 22nd on Earth Day, maybe we'll do a video diving in what they talk about, if there's any new plans, uh, any additions to the Paris Climate Accord going on. But right now, to me, it just feels like PR. Nothing really to write home about. But the other one here that I really Really like is the Civilian Climate Corps Initiative. Now, we know Biden isn't a very progressive president. We're not expecting real huge changes from him or from the Democratic Majority Congress and Senate right now. But I, in my heart, I like this because it reminds me of the programs that were enacted under FDR. I even like, you know, what was it, the Civilian Conservation Corps? the Civilian Climate Corps. I mean, it's even CCC just like that. And this is going along with those 10 million clean energy jobs. This isn't the manufacturing side of it. But as we go forward with, as it says here, restoring public lands and waters and and, and enacting um, reforestation and and along with that, you know, national park guides and national park services. I really like to see this and I really hope it ends up being as big a thing as I want it to be. This is something And it's probably going to be very small considering it's underneath the Biden administration. But this is something that could be potentially huge for Americans, for uh, creating a cleaner environment, for, you know, rebuilding environmentally degraded areas, but also putting potentially hundreds of thousands of people to work and not just professionals and stuff like in, you know, national park and wildlife preservation, but, you know, maybe regular everyday people, maybe reformed criminals that are going out planting trees, uh, planting uh, new fauna and flora, and I would really like to see that be the case. We'll have to keep an eye on it and see if it ends up taking that form. As of right now, I'm not 100% sure. And finally here we have halted 100 deregulations made by Trump. And that's very important. I'll see if I can find like a brief list of some of these deregulations that were halted by the Biden administration's executive order. But we all know about some of the like Clean Water Act uh, real backs that he's done. And like I said earlier, peeling back on reforestation initiatives and on national park services. These are, this is great. This is, this, this is great. Even if it just brings us back to the baseline, but there's something else here in some of these articles that I was reading about Joe Biden's climate executive action that I wanted to touch on. And that's actually a quote here from John Kerry, the new envoy on climate change for the United States. And the quote is here from John Kerry. This is an essential element of U.S. foreign policy and national security. Now, this is funny to me because do you, was it the 20, I think it was the 2016 primaries when, when Bernie was asked what, in your opinion, is the biggest national security risk to the United States, and he said climate change. And everybody fucking laughed at him. Now, this I like to see. And it's, of course they're co-opting Bernie's message and shit, and that pisses me off. But this I like to see. It's funny how everybody laugh at Bernie about climate change is the biggest national security risk we have. Because it, it, it foments wealth inequality, which in turn foments you know radicalization and acts of terrorism. You know, the more unwashed and starving masses you have in the world, the more desperate people you have, the more desperate actions you're going to have. And it it is nice to see that the United States government finally, finally, finally understands this. Now, of course, I have real doubts anything is going to come out of that. And and this this is a good segue into the other issue here. Again, 
like I said, this is no Green New Deal. We need a lot more even in the United States. There's some positive things here, and I'll give credit where credit is due. But it's nowhere near enough, and it's nowhere quick enough. But not only that, talking about it, this is an essential element of U.S. foreign policy and national security. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what the United States and the West does to combat climate change. We can go full. We can do 110 fucking Green New Deals and completely change the world, energy efficiency and uh, clean, clean energy. and We could completely eradicate every single form of pollution in the United States and in Western Europe and in China 110%, right? We could, we could do all that, but it's not going to be enough to stop climate change. And the reason why is that for, because in Southeast Asia and in countries in the Middle East and, and in Africa and in Latin America, these countries are developing. They are developing, and they are finally, some of them, entering into what we would call, you know, the modern age with modern production and a middle class. And what comes with that is middle class consumerism, and what comes with that is all the pollution and waste associated with it. The rest of the world is going to continue, you know, the rest of the developing world is going to continue to use coal and, and gas power plants. They are going to continue to pollute because they do not have the resources or the political initiative and organization yet, some of them, in order to push for Green New Deals in their own country, okay? And this is the thing that we need to realize, and this is what I'm getting at here, is if we want to really take on climate change, it has to be a global effort, and the Paris Climate Accord isn't going to be enough. What it's going to take is the Western nations, like those in Western Europe, the developed nations, even like China, the United States, all coming together and pooling resources to dump into the developing world to make sure that as they continue to grow, they aren't developing you know, more coal, coal and oil um, electrical plants that they aren't polluting. We need to give them, give, and, and, and I don't mean you know, let them borrow through the IMF at an in, insane interest rate so that they're indebted in, in neocolonialism on our end. No, I mean give. Give their resources and the organizational, organizational tools and train the professionals that will be necessary so that as the global south develops, it will develop, it will skip the area that we had to do with all the fucking massive pollution, pollution and environmental degradation. It skips that and creates clean energy initiatives, clean energy independence for those nations. Because unless we do that, as the global south continues to develop, Pollution is going to skyrocket. There's 1 billion people in India, and hundreds of millions of those are going to presumably enter the middle class, and they're going to want middle class shit. They're going to want more meat, which is a pollutant. They're going to want an automobile. They're going to want two automobiles. They're going to want convenient foods and, and, and um, you know plastic water bottles and, and plastic toys for their kids. You're talking about billions of people on the planet Earth, which are going to be lift- lifted to some degree out of poverty and into the, the Western mode of production and convenience, okay? And that's going to dump astronomical amount of hydrocarbons in the environment. And, if we want, and, that, and that's going to accelerate climate change to a degree that no amount of reform and Green New Deals in the West is going to be able to stop. So if we want to really take on climate change, if we really want to save the planet, we're going to have to have a massive, massive redistribution of wealth from the, the global north 
to the developed countries, to the global south, to the developing world. And nothing short of that is going to save the planet. It doesn't matter what they say or what PR they give you with Biden's new, you know, half-assed Green New Deal. But anyway, guys, that's all I have for you. I'm sorry if it went off uh, a little longer than usual. You know, sometimes with these, um, you know, uh, more detailed stories, we got to kind of dive in and, and pick them apart a little bit, and that takes a little bit longer. But you know, that's that's what I have for you guys right now. Um, let's drop some comments. We we'll get a conversation going about you know climate change and some of the things that I said in, regarding the global south. How do we realistically cli- uh, tackle climate change? Is it possible underneath our capitalist modes of production? Uh, where do you we go from here? Do you like Biden's plan? Is it enough? Is it too short? Let me know what you think. Drop a comment and. Um, As always, guys, I love you very much, and I'll speak with you again soon. Bye.